0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's episode, it is Listener's Choice Week here at The Vinyl Countdown. And after a poll on Twitter that I forgot about was conducted, you, the listeners, chose 2007's Breakthrough Record by Paramore. Uh, And I'm pretty excited to get into it. So if you're not out right now, uh, bludging people for the last discounted TV, uh, take some time to check this out with me, you know? So Paramore, you know, they're a band that I discovered around 2006, I guess, uh, a year before this album came out. So, you know, I, I was looking forward to this record and I saw them live, I want to say in 2000, 2008 actually. So it was, uh, the year after this was out. So they had kind of blown up at that point. You know, they're, they're a band that, I mean, I feel like they've gotten better and better, and just like, they're so good on each release, they've gotten so much better, and uh, this record, while I guess, uh, spoiler alert, my this is my least favorite record, I need to listen to After Laughter before I make a true determination on on where it stands, but as of now, this is kind of the bottom for me, uh, in terms of Paramore, that does not mean it's not a good album, but there's definitely, there are definitely some great things on the record, and just some I mean super high points like some of my favorite songs by them but then also some of my least favorite songs by them so I'll get into more of that later of course but for me Paramore is a band that kind of takes you back to a certain time and this album especially uh reminds me of like I think I was uh 22 about to be 23 moved into my uh, apartment for the first time and just kind of you know, that whole summer of like 2007 was kind of defined by this and a few other records, but this record for for sure was played a lot. But again, before we get into all of that, but before we get into all that, let's get on down to Variant Corner. So according to Discogs, just for the record, it's a fucking nightmare for this release in particular. Uh, I know it can be for like a lot of things, but this one is bad. Uh, there are twelve variants listed, but for what I can tell, there's multiple repeats, so it looks like it's only like seven. Maybe they are as follows: uh, 2007 saw a blue marbled uh, limited to 1,500, Ooh, two for sale for 380 and 394. Uh, a white limited to 1,500 as well, uh, four for sale ranging from 100 to 200. The first pressings of this record are, uh, as the kids say bussin', alright? <laughs> like, this is why I didn't own this record for so long, until I get to the one that I have. Because the original, the first pressings are unbelievably expensive, and then even the second, and I guess third pressings were also really expensive. So, I'm really glad they repressed them recently, and apparently made a shit ton of them, or I would have never gotten this on vinyl. There is a weird listing that describes a possible misprint or, or special, or it's like it's either a misprint or it's a special limited edition pressing on white vinyl with black splatter. There's only one for sale for six hundred dollars, and there's no pressing count on that one. It's just a. I'm not even sure what's going on with that one. That one's kind of weird. Lastly, from two thousand seven, there is a black pressing limited to only four hundred copies. There are three of those for sale: one for forty seven, one for one sixty three, and another for one seventy five. Now, 2015, after eight years, finally saw a repress, uh, black again, unknown pressing count. There are nine of those for sale, uh, anywhere from $19 to $40. Another one in 2016 for Canada and Europe this time, standard black, also no pressing info. There are 46 for sale for uh, anywhere from $16 to $43. So I guess I could have gotten this record had I wanted it. I'll get to it. Uh, So 2019, here's what it is. Brought the copy that I really wanted, and I missed out on it. Uh, it It's an orange repress, limited to 3,000 copies. And paired with, you know, there's an orange riot written on the cover. As you all know, I'm sure you can picture the uh, album art. Uh, Haley's hair at the time was also orange. Yeah, whatever. It all kind of ties together. That one is the one that I really wanted, and it is... Uh, ranging anywhere from 120 to 250 for the six that are for sale. So again, bussin'. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, uh, just this year saw the most recent repress. Uh, Fueled by Ramen is celebrating their 25th year as a thing, so they started re-releasing a ton of old albums on the same silver-colored vinyl uh, to de- designate it being their silver silver anniversary and whatnot. I picked up The Academy is uh, Almost Home, almost almost home, almost here uh this year as well thanks to that. This one has 120 copies for sale. Uh prices are, <laughs> range from $19 to $676. Uh really reaching there for that. But um there are more than enough copies available for, of this record for like And and some of the black pressing too. You shouldn't have to pay over maybe thirty bucks. Like there's no reason to pay that much for it. Uh, I can't understand though if you would drop one twenty on the orange because that pressing is perfect. But again, I was happy getting it for retail. The record also sounds uh, as you would expect. It it's loud. It's clear. It's crisp. uh, No surface noises. I will say some companies when kind of shitting out a bunch of reissues, especially of older records, uh, Equal Vision, uh, Tiodos, they seem to take a bit of a shortcut in production. Um, The original recordings maybe aren't the greatest sounding, but those records don't sound nearly as good as they should. And this record in the Academy is, they sound great, and it makes me feel like they took more time and more care, and I guess to be fair to Equal Vision, I feel like, you know, Fueled by Ramen probably has the resources to do this correctly, and these are bigger albums too in terms of album sales and the size of these bands and this and that, so They probably had more money to do this the right way. But that being said, I mean, I've seen smaller pressing runs and smaller bands re-release old things that sound amazing. So it can be done. I don't know. It just was one of those things like I was not impressed with the Chiodos, either Chiodos record that I got. But that's a whole different story. Uh, So real quick, let's get into the band and then we'll dive into the album uh, from Wikipedia. Paramore is an American rock band from Franklin, Tennessee, formed in 2004. The band currently consists of lead vocalist Hayley Williams, guitarist Taylor York, and drummer Zach Farrow. Uh, Williams and Farrow are founding members of the group, while York, a high school friend of the original lineup, joined in 2007. Uh, The band are signed to Fuel by Robin, a subsidiary of Atlantic Records, both owned by Warner Music Group. Uh, Williams is actually something I didn't know and I want to say I found this out through the Reminiscent podcast when they did their episode on pressure, maybe. Williams is signed separately to Atlantic as she was scouted first when she was only like 13 or 14. And they were, only, they were the only label to let her stay in the band instead of going solo. But Atlantic said the rest of the band had to sign to Fuel by Ramen. So they, they're split like from the start, they were always split like that, which I was—I found really weird. But that apparently, I guess, is common. But that I didn't know that about them. Uh, she is also the only member of the of the band to appear on all five studio albums. Uh, all we know is falling. Their debut record was released in two thousand five. I'm sure that I mentioned it before, but I, uh, going back to where I heard of them, right? I heard about them the year before this record came out. It was one of my Warp tour. It was the Warp tour two thousand six mix CD. I used to make them before each tour. So that I could get a, a an idea and like be familiar with bands that I didn't know. So I'd just make a huge mix CD, fit as many songs as I could fit on an MP3 CD, normally like 130 to 140. And I'd pick like three to four songs per artist. And that way it was like, okay, I I don't care. I'm just gonna pick which ones which names sound cool. Or I might listen to a minute or two of a song and just like it was a whole process, but in that process I really liked what I heard from Paramore. So I put on, I think, uh Let This Go was one. Um, or never Let This Go. I think My Heart and Maybe Pressure was the other song. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to dig the CD out, but whatever the case, those uh three songs were from All We Know Is Falling, and again it was on my 2006 mix, and um that was like my introduction to him, and I'll just jam that for a while. Then I got the album, then I wanted to see him in 2007 and the warp tour got rained out. The, the day of, so the next day was all the band's uh, off days, Paramore decided to come on, Demanchiodos, the they were just like, nah, we're not doing it, and uh, but I did not end up seeing them in 2008, so anyway, back to this record, oh, and real quick, which is, I don't even know what I was doing, but in 2006, they played on a really small, like, just tiny stage somewhere in the back of the parking lot, And I'm guessing there was a band that had to have been more important to me at the time because I didn't even remember Paramore playing. Like I know I didn't see them, and I know I knew that I knew that I know that I knew they were going to be there, but for whatever reason, whatever I was doing was more important than that, which is crazy. But whatever the case, Uh, June twelfth, two thousand and seven, Riot was released. So, going all the way back to 2002, at age 13, Haley Williams, she moves from Meridian, Mississippi to Franklin, Tennessee, where she meets brothers Josh and Zach Farrow at a uh, program for homeschool kids. Then they start taking vocal lessons from a guy named Brett Manning. They, prior to forming Paramore, Williams and bassist Jeremy Davis, along with friend Kimmy Reed, took part in a funk cover band called The Factory, which sounds awful. And while Zach, Farrow, and Josh uh, had practiced together at school. Uh, The other members of what would soon be Paramore had been, quote, edgy about the whole female thing. It's just gross, Um, of having Williams as vocalist, but because they were good friends, she began to write for them, and I guess they let her do that? I don't know. Williams said of the members when she first met them, uh, they were the people, uh, the first people that I met who were as passionate about music as I was. Uh, And again, you know, she signed to Atlantic Records in 2003 as a solo artist, and you know, went through all that everything, and they later uh, signed her to a production deal. That was it. Was later bought out by Atlantic. Uh, the original plan of the label was to turn her into a pop singer, but Williams uh, resisted, saying that she wanted to be an al- in an alternative rock band. In an interview with Hit Quarters, the band's A and R uh, at Atlantic, Steve Robertson, said, "Quote: She wanted to make sure that." Uh, we didn't look at her like some straight-to-top-40-pop princess. She wanted to make sure that she and her band got the chance to show what they could do as a rock band while writing their own songs. Label president Judy Julie Greenwald and the uh, label staff decided to go with her wishes. Uh, the original manager team for the band was David uh Creed manager Jeff Hansen, and Hansen's assistant Mark Mercado. So the band was then officially formed. Josh Farrow on uh, lead guitars, Zach Farrow on drums, I Always Forget Which Farrow Brother Is Which, which, brother is which. Uh, Jeremy Davis on bass, and then, of course, Haley on vocals in 2004, with the later addition of Williams' neighbor, Jason Bynum, on rhythm guitar. Uh, so when Davis showed up, he was stunned to find out that their drummer at the time was only 12 years old. said he had very little faith in the band because of their age, but then after their first practice, they knew they were on to something. And according to... Haley, the name Paramore, came from the maiden name of the mother of one of their first bass players. Uh, Once the group learned the meaning of the homophone Paramore, spelled uh, P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R, means secret lover, they decided to adopt the name using the Paramore spelling as it is now. So moving into the Riot era, the lineup was as follows. Again, Haley on vocals, Josh on guitar, Jeremy Davis on bass, and Zach Farrow on drums. So this album peaked at number 15 on the Billboard 200 album chart and was certified double platinum. That's huge for a band like this and then being their second album and then at the time being so young, like they they really, they really fucking broke through, right? Speaking of that album, let's get on into it. Uh, track one, for a pessimist, I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, according to Song Genius, Riot's opening track uh, lays an energetic song about putting one's faith in someone else and seeing them, quote, blow it. Uh, it shows Haley addressing this person directly and telling uh, telling them how much they trusted them and how hurt and disappointed she feels that they betrayed her. Uh, Josh Farrow composed the song and eventually Haley Williams wrote the lyrics. Uh, it's rumored that this song got its name randomly when Haley was feeling pressured to name the song. So, Paramore is one of those bands that has some really standout opening tracks. Uh, this song comes out swinging hard like, and connects on every single punch, right? Uh, her voice sounds so much more like just bigger and more powerful on this record, I think. Uh, everything just sounds tighter and more polished. Like, again, for being so young when this was, like, written and recorded, it truly is impressive how it all came together. So I love in the bridge when she sings, "Uh, uh you, you were finished long before we had even seen the start. Well, why don't you stand up, be a man about it? Fight with your bare hands about it now. Anyway, uh, it's pretty great. Like, it'll get you really fucking amped up. For the album, for sure. Like it, it is pretty much a perfect opening song from start to finish. So next up is maybe my favorite on the record. It's, it's hard to pick because there there are some. Like I said in the uh, beginning of the episode, this album houses like some of my favorite Paramore songs. Period of any album, right? But that's what you get at track two. This song was also in Rock Band Two, which I think was 2009, maybe. So a couple of years after. It was an on-disc song or whatever. So, like, if you bought the game, you had the song. And uh, I remember Walmart used to have a setup for Rock Band uh, drums and guitar and everything else. You can go in the store and play it. And uh, Guitar Hero had that, too, at, like, GameStop and some other places. Best Buy, whatever. I used to go around town and just go to these stores specifically to play their Rock Band setups and Guitar Hero and everything else. And also, I was really good at it, so it was kind of fun to go show off, I guess. But that being said, so, Rock Band 2... Uh, I played it a bunch on there and like I knew it beforehand. So I was like really excited for it to be on this game. So again, high energy, uh, introspective lyrics. Uh, it's a perfect song. You know, try to listen to uh, the line or try to listen to it and like not just fucking groove and, and just vibe to it. Like there's no way to not, right? Uh, the chorus too is a whole bunch of fun. She's like... Yep, that's what you get when you let your heart win. Oh, 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 oh. it's just, it's just great. You know, but then in verse two, uh, it's also, again, introspective, very like a, it's a heavy line, you know, where she says, uh, I wonder how am I supposed to feel when you're not here because I burned every bridge I ever built when you were here. I still try. Holding on to silly things I never learned No oh, why All the possibilities I'm sure you've heard Anyway, fun And then, um Finally, to in the bridge Where she says, um Pain Uh, although So, it's funny So, on rock band When the lyrics are scrolling When you're singing It says, hey Make your way to me To me That never made any sense to me And, and like I said, I was listening to the song well before it was on Rock Band, and I remember reading the lyrics and just, just hearing it, and it's like, to me, I always thought she said pain, and everywhere I've looked at the lyrics, that is how it's listed, so Rock Band just got it wrong, but and this way makes way more sense, but she says, uh, pain, make your way to me, to me, and I'll always be just so inviting, uh, if I ever start to think straight, this heart will start a riot in me. Let's start, start. Hey, like it's just ours. Oh, so fucking cool. It, it's so good. Uh, very self-explanatory, but still wonderful. Next up, my other potential favorite, Hallelujah. Uh, it is a generally good-feeling song, showing the band strong faith in themselves and their hope of pushing forward and being the best form of paramore they can be. That came from Song Genius, and I can see that. I can I could agree with that. Given the opening line of the song is, uh, somehow everything's gonna fall right into place if we only had a way to make it all fall faster every day. And, you know. And also the way she comes in, it's like, the guitar's like, uh you know, it's, it's, just, it's just guitar or whatever. It starts off as... And, and then, you know, the drums kick in, and then everything kind of drops out, and then she comes in, like, real fucking hard and just... Somehow everything is... Go- like, oh, it's so good. And then, know yeah, in the chorus, you know, this time we're not giving up. Let's make it last forever. Screaming hallelujah. We'll make it last forever. Chills. The second verse, again, where she, where she sings, uh, holding on to patience, wearing thin. do do doo doo do I can't force these eyes to see the end. Ah, <sighs> that line. Man, I will say that used to... <sighs> Just rip my goddamn heart out, because uh, when this came out, I was like, post, like, worst breakup of my life status, so it was, you know, a lot of these hit me directly, like, uh, felt like they were singing, you know, like, they were like, hey, let's write this for Jeremy Levine, sure. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> now, this song uh, was the first song I noticed where Haley's voice really is, like, soaring and sounding like a goddamn force. Well, actually, the first song I noticed was 2008's uh, Decode from the Twilight soundtrack. The only good thing to ever come from that shitty series, ever. Uh, I say that to say, though, this song has a part at the end where some of that kind of shows up, but she doesn't fully go for it. But it's there. It's, like, right under the surface, you know? And this was 07, then, like I said, the very next year in 08, Indie Code. there's some parts where she's really, like, nailing it. But uh, towards the end where she says, uh, This time we're not giving up. Oh, let's make it last forever. Screaming, hallelujah, hallelujah. And she's like kind of layering and everything else. It's great. But like I said, in Decode, she like really goes for it and fucking nails it. And then even more so on 2009's brand new Eyes, the closing track, All I Wanted, which is the most heartbreaking song of could be of all time. I don't know in that song she just knocks it out of the goddamn park like that voice you know and i talked about it in the in the, in the uh, brand new eyes episode that stops him stops me in my tracks every single time like it is just hmm nah chef's kiss right uh anyway back to this album it's it's this song it's great and um again the first half of this album is one of the best first halves of any album that i own you know, every single song, start to finish. Perfect. Uh, next up, the big one off the record that everybody, the one that anyone who says that they quote unquote love Paramore, they like to pull this one out of their ass, is like the one that they named this one song, or maybe Crush, 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 is like, oh, I love Paramore, and I like that song. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I know I sound like a fucking snob right now. I get it. But it's just like, well, what what else, you know, how else do you feel about their, you know, catalog? Or what's some other things? You want to have a discourse with people about it, and they're just like, oh, I haven't really listened to much else you know, but, 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 you know, I like those songs. It's like, I guess the, the problem with that, the problem I have with people saying that they love a band and like absolutely love it. Oh my God. Oh, they're so great. But you only know a song or two. It's like, you could say that you like them. You can say you love these songs. That's fine. But maybe make the distinction. Do you know what I mean? Like the, I don't know that maybe fucking nitpicky grandpa Levine being, um, again, music's not with the year here. Right. But that's just something I've always kind of been like, oh, okay, whatever. Like I'm not gonna be like, somebody says, oh, I really love Paramore. I'm not gonna be like, well, name five songs, you piece of shit. But at the same time, if we're talking, if we're actively talking about the band and or a couple of songs, then if I ask you, well, hey, what's something else you like? you know, I really like this album, and this and that. And then a blank face comes over to you, and you're just like, oh, that's actually all I know. And it's like, okay, well, just say you love those two songs. Don't say you love the band. Like that doesn't, anyway. Misery business, right? <laughs> Just a useless fact here. I'm actually very good at the song on expert vocals on rock band. So, you know, that's fun. So Haley this is according to uh, what they said about the songs that uh, she went on to say that the song reflects her angsty 17 year old self and how she dealt with a close friend who she was possibly in love with, but was becoming distant. And thus is not necessarily something she identifies uh, with after nearly a decade, which was this would have been seven. So this is from like 20... Uh, 15 uh, about the track. She says, it's Misery Business is not a set of lyrics that I relate to as a 26 year old woman. Uh, I haven't related to it in a very long time. Those words were written when I was 17, admittedly from a very uh, narrow minded perspective. It wasn't really meant to be the big philosophical statement about anything. Uh, it was quite literally a page in my diary about a singular moment I experienced as a high schooler. On September 9th, 2018, Haley announced that Paramore will no longer be performing this track on stage ever again. Uh, in 2020, reflecting on the early years, Haley admitted that the song was about Josh. Uh, when I was 13 or 14, I had a crush. I had a crush on Josh. Uh, he just didn't like me back. Uh, he would go hang out with his girlfriend, who I wrote "Misery Business" about because I was a dick. And the Angstometer just fucking burst into flames. <laughs> That's off the charts. But um. There you go. Uh, problematic lyrics aside, you know, the whole, once a whore, you're nothing more. I'm sorry, that'll never change. Ooh, that's rough. Uh, and I guess where the song was born from, it's still a banger to this day. Uh, it's a scene classic, right? Uh, the video as well is burned into the brains of anyone who is alive and old enough to remember to be in like this whole scene or whatever. Like everybody knows that video. So it's it's... I will say it got to the point where I heard it so much that I kind of got sick of it and it was kind of like, oh, goddamn, okay, this song again. But in, you know, give it a year or two and then I went back to it and I'm like, yeah, okay, this song's still, this is it's still the shit. <laughs> so moving right along, track five, uh, When It Rains. Uh, not a misstep in any way, but is probably the weakest of the first half of the album. But that being said, it's still an incredible song. It's just that the other songs are just so good. So the band said on uh, said about the song on a webcam chat, uh, it's about essentially the same thing that like for pessimists is about when someone lets you down because they're letting themselves down or they're not trying, right? Which I could I could see that. Where because in the chorus they're saying and oh oh how could you do it? Oh I never saw it coming. Oh oh I need an ending, so why can't you stay just long enough to explain? Haley apparently said that the song is about a friend of hers who committed uh trigger warning here content warning suicide in this part of the song she's asking how he or she could do it uh it was so unexpected and she wishes that they could have stayed to obviously pretty self explanatory there to uh get some closure and explain why they did it uh the chorus also sounds like haley blames herself for not seeing it coming you know she needs an explanation because she can't accept what happened and effectively she wasn't able to help so damn pretty dark The song itself is a bit slower and maybe more somber in tone than the first four before it. And that makes more sense now because I actually never really looked into the meaning of the song until just now. So it makes a bunch of sense. Uh, Up next, another shift in sound just a bit. Uh, Let the Flames Begin. Uh, The one time I did see them live in 2008, uh, they opened with this song and it was absolutely mind-blowing. Then Haley went on a minute or so long addition to the song uh, not sure what the song she was singing was, but uh, they are known for doing that. I- I've told the story before, but I first heard at the drive-in from watching Paramore videos and having Haley go off at the end of a song and break into One Armed Scissor, and I was like, "Man, what the fuck is that song?" And I looked up the lyrics, and it's like, "Oh, that's at the drive-in," which I'd heard of them for years, and they'd all they always got wrapped up in like with with in the discussion with like Thursday Glassjaw. Uh, at the drive-in, and, you know, just just band, like, post-hardcore bands of that time. Like, that was kind of... They were always mentioned in the same breath it felt like, but I never actually listened to them uh, until I saw the Paramore video. and was like, ooh, what is that song? And then, yeah, the rest is history. But what was really cool, too, is that they extended the guitar break. Like, at the end, of the song goes you know it's like like that's how it starts and that's how it, that's how it ends but they ext- extended that and the way that like there's another guitar that comes in uh the drums are more active like that live version is fucking great like I, I i wish that that was how it was on the album uh the live version it to me is the absolute at least that one that i saw is still the absolute best version of that song in my opinion but um the song is still a classic of course too it's great uh, i'll actually link to a video in the description of the show uh where you can watch that particular performance i'm talking about uh the sound quality is pretty shitty uh and it's old it was filmed with a digital camera and i had people landing on me the whole time but you can still hear it and you can pick it out enough to understand what's going on and to compare it to the original so yeah Uh, for even more fun listen to this song and then part two off of their self-titled album back to back but yeah the song is about keeping uh the faith while in tough times uh in a note to her fans on the live journal community haley explained that this song got its title only because they were under pressure to come up with a name before they released their album uh and like i said earlier part two is a sequel to this song where it, it makes multiple references to glory which uh given the band members religious beliefs is likely to be a reference to the christian concept Uh, So can't really relate on that level, but it is still one of the best songs on the record. Track seven, Miracle. Haley talked about this song on something called Parahoy. Uh, She said that this song started off in 2005, Uh, just the guitar riff. Uh, We were touring with a band called My American Heart, and it was our first year on the road. We were learning a lot about ourselves and touring. Uh, My dad was driving us uh, in the van because none of us are old enough uh, to drive, and he would go... He would say five minutes early is 15 minutes too late. So we would be there three hours before sound check, And we worked on this song every day. I guess it's a conversation of, uh, you know, with Haley, between Haley and God, right? She talks about her depression, uh, getting through self-hate and self-injury. In live performances, the song is usually followed by an outro that the fans have grown to love. That outro, outro says, I asked for love. I asked for mercy. I asked for patience. But you're already all of these things. If I knew what I needed, if I knew what was good for me... I'd be down on my knees begging, please, please, please let your light shine bright inside of me. So um makes sense that this song started and came about in, in 2005 or started to come together then. Because I've always thought that this song, of all the songs on this record, it's the only one that I feel like that could also fit in seamlessly with, all We Know Is Falling. So, it's and again, it makes sense because it was coming about around the same time or, like, right after it came out. So, you know, it might have been the same headspace and, like, things were, you know, so it makes, it makes sense. While not the worst song, of course, uh, this is kind of where the album starts to unravel for me. Uh, they really front-loaded the album, and it starts to fall off here and only goes downhill. Like, uh, Crush, Crush, Crush is up next, track eight. And, man, I just don't care for the song at all. I always felt like it was such a simple kind of throwaway radio, you know, song. The lyrics are really simplistic and repetitive. The music is very simple. Like, it's just the bridge. I, the bridge is just the worst. Like, the whole, like, rock and roll, baby. Don't you know that we're all alone now? I need something to sing about. Uh Rock and roll, like, that whole, they just repeat that. And it's like, it just feels like a like a filler song, really. Like, I know it did, like, pretty crazy numbers, I guess. But I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's a song that Paramore quote unquote fans like to pull out when they're like, I love this band. And it's like, eh, whatever. And, you know, going back to some of the uh, reminiscent guys said before, like burying songs at like track eight and like all the small things is track eight. And that's like a an incredible song that they kind of buried away in a weird spot. I feel like track eight is actually appropriate for this song because it just kind of is a to me, at least a forgettable kind of, again, just a throwaway track, but it was a big fucking song and everybody loved it. And I just didn't care for it, you know? Uh, track nine, uh, We Are Broken. (sighs) Again, forgettable song, man. Like not so great lyrics. Like it's just, maybe it's because it it kind of comes off like preachy in a way. I've just never been a big fan of it. I can't relate to it. You know, so the first half of the album is fun and it's really well written and it's great, but it's also relatable. And that's the part that, I feel like the second half of the album, I just can't get into it. Like, nothing about it is like, oh, man, I, I can see myself in that, or I can, like, you know, tie uh, an experience to this particular thing. Like, I just can't do it, you know? Uh, and that's the only way it sounds, either. So there's that. Uh, Fences is next in, <laughs> again, not a good song. They have said about this uh, record, uh, in an inter- or at this song in an interview, that uh, that song is kind of about the first year and a half about being on the road it's about how i think Haley was pretending to be okay and she wasn't and you know this is the struggle of being in in show business right so maybe it makes it a little better that i understand now where it came from and i get you know that it's um i can have a little more respect for it i guess because that is something hard to talk about and that is difficult especially on, on young kids but uh, i still don't enjoy the song right The music for me is very jaunty and just not my style. Like, I I just never vibed with it, and uh, I still don't, you know? Then closing the record out, which is probably the best of the second half songs, is Born for This. Uh, Josh Farrow explained to angryape.com. There's so many random fucking websites that they've done (laughs) interviews for over the years. They've done these weird interviews where it's like, you know, just these crazy websites that just like don't even sound real. But he said the song is about our fans. It's due to them that we were in a position to release a second album. Uh, This is our way of thanking them and telling them that we still need them to drive us forward. Uh, I didn't know this This is actually pretty cool. There was a contest that was held uh, for fans to submit backing vocals. And the winner was Mary Bonnie of McLean, Virginia. So that's awesome. Again, I think it's a good song. But it isn't necessarily a great album closer in my opinion. Uh, This could have been like track seven, maybe. Like move... If they could have moved some things around and, you know, and I said it here and like look I was going to say it earlier, you know, you could have had Let the Flames Begin in the, in the record if it was in the style that they sang it live. I think that would have been a perfect album closer. You know, just move a handful of songs on the second half around, maybe slip one near the front of the album or something. I don't know. But, um... Just an overall disappointing second half. Uh, it's still a scene classic overall. The record, I give it, I give it its respect because uh, I like it overall. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like they really, really front loaded it and that it runs out of steam by the end. That's all. Uh, personally, I give it a three point five out of five. But here is the thing about this record. On on a on a scale of of importance, like where this ranks as far as important emo pop punk whatever albums of that time, it's a five out of five. Like, it's an incredible achievement for such a young band, and they hit the scene at the exact right time, and of course, only got better and better and better. So, in that way, I am thankful for this record. Flaws and all, because without it, we wouldn't have gotten two of my favorite albums of all time by any band later. And then also After Laughter, and then everything that Hayley's done since. Like, none of that would have been possible without the second album doing the numbers that it did. So, again, just... Not my favorite Paramore, al- Paramore album, but I am definitely, I respect it, and I am thankful that it did come out because it led to bigger and better things after. So, if you still somehow have never heard this album, please do it. Uh, come to your own conclusions. See, you know, see what you think, but it's, in a way, like a lot of the, the records I talk about, it's very firmly rooted in its time period. Like, it's very 2007, but it's it's awesome. It really is. Like And in, in overall, like I said, it's a good album with you know out of 11 tracks there's like 4 missteps so over half the album is really really good and the other ones aren't unlistenable it's just for me they're not my favorite as all right so yeah that's it for me this week um i'll be uh, i'll be back next week with an album that i've been waiting literally for years to get my hands on on vinyl uh funeral for a friend's debut record casually dressed and in deep conversation uh and then the week after that just cuz i'm doing another back to back another funeral for a friend uh, again, another record I've been waiting on for years. O- only the second pressing ever of their record from 2005, ours. So be sure to subscribe Uh Apple, Spotify, or wherever else. I've actually, I just now was or was added to uh, Amazon uh, Podcasts as well. So if you're on Amazon Podcasts, hey, find me on there as well. Be sure to subscribe, though, so you don't miss any of these. Like, I have some really good episodes coming up for the month of December. And it's going to be, it's very exciting. So, You know, I just want you all to be here, and I want you all to, you know, stick around and listen. Right? It'll be fun. Um, Follow me on Instagram at uh, the underscore vinyl underscore countdown underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook at the same thing, minus all the underscores, and Twitter, of course, at vinylpodcast5. So, that's it for me this week, and uh, as always, I'm Jeremy Levine, and this has been The Vinyl Countdown. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to be in your ears next week. Take care, everybody.